You're listening to This is Yoga Therapy. I'm your host, Michelle Lawrence, and I've had the opportunity to interview many of those who are making a difference at the intersections of yoga and health. And I'm here to share with you their stories and conversations. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, I interviewed Tracy Stanley. Tracy is the author of the best-selling book, Radiant Rest, Yoga Nidra for Deep Relaxation and Awakened Clarity, and the forthcoming The Luminous Self, Sacred Yogic Practices and Rituals to Remember Who You Are. She's the founder of Empowered Life Circle, a sacred community and portal of practices, rituals, and tantric teachings inspired by more than 20 years of study in Sri Vidya Tantra and the teachings of the Himalayan masters. As a post-lineage teacher, Tracy is devoted to sharing the wisdom of Yoga Nidra, rest, meditation, self-inquiry, nature as a teacher, and ancestor reverence. Tracy is gifted in illuminating the magic and power found in liminal space and weaving devotion and practice into daily life. Tracy, it's such an honor and privilege to be speaking with you today. Thank you so much. I am honored to be here, Michelle. Can you start by sharing with our listeners a bit more about yourself? In addition to what I just shared in your intro here, you're also a former Hollywood film producer. Is that right? Maybe just tell us a bit more about your background and what brought you to yoga. Yes. So luckily, I actually found yoga the very same week that I started my first job in the film business. And I think that it probably shifted the trajectory of my career in many different ways because I just became more aware and more present. And my priorities of what I thought were was important shifted pretty radically during that time. And so I would say that I started practicing yoga as a physical practice to stay strong and grounded and you know, also started yoga and meditation at the same time, which was really great. And Mm -hmm. basically had a practice for about five years before I was ever introduced to the practice of yoga nidra. But when I was introduced to yoga nidra, it seemed like such a magical practice. It seemed so deep. I had such a deep experience. It was something that I'd never experienced before was this kind of inner stillness within me. And that just started to inform everything uh, from there. I, Even though I was still producing films in Hollywood and had a pretty busy career, I decided to open a yoga studio. And I had no intention of teaching, but I wanted to have a place where people could practice because I was not really seeing people who looked like me in the yoga classes that I was going to. So I opened a donation-only yoga studio. And I think that was the thing that shifted the trajectory of my life because eventually, of course, I started teaching yoga Mm -hmm. and I've been doing that for the last uh, 20 something years. So amazing. And it's so funny. I hear so often, like either I took a teacher training, you said I opened a yoga studio without ever intending to teach, right? And yet we do. (laughs) I can put myself in that group as well. And it's, I think it's divine, right? How it kind of works its way into our lives, the yoga and changes the trajectory, the path that lies ahead. So what would you say 
you know, you're most passionate about sharing. I'm hearing yoga nidra was transformative for you. Is that your main passion? Maybe there's more than that, but tell us a little bit about like your, without getting specific, cause I'm going to ask some specific questions about things you're up to right now, but like in general, how would you frame or position the types of offerings you put out in the world? I would say that everything that I'm passionate about sharing takes us back to Sutra 136 in the Yoga Sutras, Vishoka Vajoytishmati, which is this eternal place within us that is effulgent and powerful and was there before we had a name and will be there when we no longer have a body. And is really this place that is beyond all conditioning and is said to be beyond all sorrow. That is something that if we all had access to or were able to touch, I think we would be different humans on this planet. It's like our birthright, isn't it? It absolutely is. And we, we kind of get distracted by all the shiny things that we think are our birthright. And in the process of chasing those shiny things, we become exhausted, which is why Yoga Nidra is such a beautiful portal back into finding our true selves, right? Because we have to stop, we have to pause and deeply listen in that spaciousness. And I think it just changes everything for us. So for me, it's all about touching that place within And whatever tools that I have been given over the 25 years, 28 years at this point, I think, that I have been in studentship of Tantra and Srividya and the Himalayan masters, that I want to share those tools that have been most potent and transformative for me. That's very meaningful and beautiful. And, you know, there are different doorways in to that. And that's that's such a, I think, wonderful thing about yoga is that it is so multidimensional and offers different access points. And I think that the ability to get into a place of pause and rest and deep listening is needed in today's world. For some folks, that could be the best access point. And the practice of yoga nidra is really designed to do that. So that, that all makes a lot of sense to me. So my introduction to you was through your book, Radiant Rest. I think it was Chinnamasta Styles who recommended your book to me. And what I like to say to others now is there are yoga nidra books, and then there are yoga nidra books. And yours is what I would put in that second category. I feel like it's head and shoulders above the rest for me. And I say this not because those other books are lacking in some way, but in the way in which you speak to me and your teaching in that book and the practices you share within it. And Yoga Nidra is such a powerful practice, like we've already sort of noted here. But in the hands of some, it can feel kind of dry and boring and a bit rote, but not with radiant rest. It really feels alive, actually. It feels alive. It feels sacred. It feels juicy. So can you tell us how this book came about for you and what you hope to convey with it? Well, the book came about where I was actually working on another project, another writing project. And 
I had just finished writing all of the publishers, like a list of the publishers that I would love to publish my book. And the next day I got an email from an editor at Shambhala. And I was like, wow, that was fast. (laughs) And in the email, she was asking me if I was interested in writing a book on Yoga Nidra. And I said, well, you know, this person has a book on Yoga Nidra and that person has a book and this person is writing a book. I'm not interested really in writing a book about Yoga Nidra. I feel like the books are out there. The book that I'm writing has some Yoga Nidra in it, but it's not about the practice of Yoga Nidra. And she said, well, I don't really want to take no for an answer right now. So I'm going to let you pause with it. And then why don't you get back to me in a couple of weeks and I'll like circle back to you. And I kind of have put it out of my mind. I'm focused on this other thing. And that weekend I was in Whistler teaching a Yoga Nidra immersion. And after the immersion, there were probably about five or six students that came up to me and asked me, so do you have a book on Yoga Nidra? And no one had ever asked me this before. So I was like, this is really interesting. And, you know, the feedback was kind of like, I've never heard anyone talk about Yoga Nidra in the way that you are speaking about Yoga Nidra. So I took a pause and I said, okay, if I were to write a book about Yoga Nidra, what would be my goal? My goal would be to allow and give tools for people to cultivate their own relationship with the practice and to understand that Yoga Nidra is much more than the technique that we think about when we say, I'm doing Yoga Nidra. It's like the same thing as I'm doing yoga. There is no doing yoga. Yoga is either in the room or not. It was basically a manual for me to be able to, to go back into my practice and to really share how did I cultivate this relationship with not only the technique Yoga Nidra, the state of consciousness or an understanding, a touch of an understanding of the state of consciousness that is Yoga Nidra. And then Yoga Nidra, the goddess that is not and had not been spoken about in the circles and the teachings that I had received, it really wasn't until I had been practicing Yoga Nidra for almost a decade that Sri Devi Bringi, a beautiful teacher and professor and scientist from Naropa University, I was doing a Lakshmi Puja with her and she started talking about the goddess, Yoga Nidra. And I was like, well, wait a second, why haven't I ever heard of this goddess. And then of course I went down the rabbit hole. And so this for me was my offering as a way for people to cultivate their own relationship and their own knowing with this practice. Yeah. And it comes across that way in such a beautiful way. And there's something that you just said about doing yoga. That's not really Uh, what we think about it's yoga is in the room or it's not. And there's something in your book along the lines of like, in order to facilitate yoga nidra, you need more than a nice voice and a good script. And maybe that's like not exactly what you said, but it, it's, it's that transmission too, right. Of where you're taking someone. I don't know. 
if I'm tying those things together in the right way or not, but there's a lot of um, beautiful pieces in that book, like that one that even jumped out at me. And I was not aware of the goddess Yoga Nidra either. That was a new yeah. one for me. I love that you bring in this idea of transmission, right? Because if we think about the Rishis and the Rishikas who were the original seers of yoga in the forests and the canyons and the caves, kind of having these realizations of these different states of consciousness and the practices that could reproduce them, they would sit with their students and their students would receive whatever that teaching was. And then they would go off and they would practice, 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 practice. And then right. from that state of embodied wisdom, they would share. So we have this whole other system where we're going to sit and receive teachings by taking notes. Right. <laughs> right. And we think that we can look back in our notes and that allows us to be able to give a teaching of any kind. And we forget that we are forever students in this practice of yoga. There's constantly a revealing and a concealing happening, a remembering and a forgetting. And if we, if we think that we've done a weekend workshop and that that's enough for us to go on and teach and we forget to actually be with the practice and live with the practice, then it doesn't really have as much power because it's not coming from ourselves. It's coming from the level of the mind. So transmission yeah. to me is very important because I've been lucky enough and honored and privileged enough to study with teachers who had the power of transmission. And so I feel like it's a palpable difference when you're with a teacher who has this power of transmission because they've done the practices and someone who has memorized material and mm. information. Yeah. Big amen to that. Absolutely. And we'll speak more about that when I ask you at the end here what your personal practice looks like. We'll get to that in a little bit. It seems like rest is such an important practice. Like let's even just call it rest too, um, different than yoga nidra perhaps, especially for these times. And you articulate that in your book. You also have an online community, I believe it's called the rest cave portal. So what's that all about? And also, how can practitioners learn more about Yoga Nidra from you and the way in which you facilitate it? So the online portal is actually called the Empowered Life Circle, which is a space where people can come together and practice. We have community chats. Uh, we have Yoga Nidra practices. We have meditation practices. We have special guests that come in. Um, there's a part of the empowered life circle that's also membership based and the rest cave portal was something that I kind of, I don't want to say I came up with it because I don't think it was an original idea. I think it was something that I almost feel like sometimes the divine has these things that they want us to, <laughs> to do. And it's kind of like, wake up, wake up. Here's, here's something that needs to happen. And for me, <laughs> Moving from California, somebody who had been living in California for a long time, I love nature, I have a garden, I really considered myself someone who was very connected to the seasons, and then I moved mm -hmm. to northern New Mexico. And the first season of winter, 
I had already had like a schedule, right, that had been planned a year prior. And what I started to realize was, oh, okay, this winter is a different kind of season. And I'm also entering a different season of life. And Mm -hmm. this season doesn't call for any doing. And so there's nothing I can really do about it now other than add more practices and things into my rituals because I already have these things scheduled. But for next year, for next winter, I'm going to take off and basically go into a rest cave for a period of time that's going to basically be from the end of November until February. And when I thought about that, I thought, well, I must not be the only one who needs this. So what if we could create a portal, which I called the rest cave portal, which was a series of practices that ranged from everything from sound baths with Sean Moore and creative practices with Chanti Takarante Perez and ritual baths with Crystal Marie Higgins and many other teachers offering yoga nidra and rest practices and restorative yoga so that people had this little folder of practices that ranged from five minutes to 30 minutes where they could just, when they had time, be able to just dip into a practice and see if those practices could help them on a daily basis for this period of time. So we went from basically the end of November until the spring equinox with these practices. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mm -hmm. the rest cave was. And it was really amazing because people came back and said that the practices for them were so supportive and that it changed their rhythm of practice. It no longer was, oh, I need to log in to a Zoom class at such and such a time. I can kind of allow my life to become this ritual of rest over this period of time. And I've carved out this time for myself. So that's what the Rest Cave Portal is. As far as being with me for Yoga Nidra training, I do a training once a year with my co-collaborator, Chanti, and we offer those. It's like a five-month-long training, and it's an amazing group of people that we always have for this. You know, we, we take applications, we meet everyone before we create the cohort, and so it's a very intentional community of people that come together for this Yoga Nidra training because it's much different than any other type of training, much like Radiant Rest, the book, the goal is really to embody the transmission of the practice and to make the relationship that you have with Yoga Nidra your own. And then I have other things that I do like retreats where Yoga Nidra is the main focus um, and rest is a main focus. Um, And you can find all those things on my website. Yeah. So amazing. Just one final note about that rest cave portal. I think even putting it out in the world in the way that you did um, above and beyond like what the content that was in there is just validating, right. And gives people permission to winter a bit um, and to slow it down according to that time of year when you know, that's what nature's asking us to do. So I think that's really awesome. And will you plan on doing that again next year, do you think? 
Yeah, we'll definitely do another one next year. It was, um, I think it was just very supportive, like you just said. And then I also started seeing other rest caves or, you know, rest portals popping up, which was amazing because it, like I said before, it's like sometimes the divine wants us to get the message. (laughs) And so I do think that if we continue this and people are inspired to offer their version of, of, you know, rest portals it will create a cultural shift, right? If yeah. We keep doing that and keep getting that message. And I feel like that message is getting out there. So. Yeah, me too. Good job. <laughs> so tell us more about your forthcoming book, The Luminous Self. What can we look forward to there? Mm. Um, so The Luminous Self is really a manual along with the practices that I have been given over time that I feel created the most transformation in my life. And in thinking about writing a second book, you know, you asked this question of what did I hope to offer in Radiant Rest? It's really, I think when I, when I kind of look at the world, one of the things that I see that is problematic is that we don't know who we are. We don't remember who we are. We don't remember our own power. We don't remember our own light. And when we remember our own light, we also remember the light of others. And when we remember who we are, we walk in community in a much different way. And so the luminous self is really a few stories from my own life and how these practices and some of the philosophies of yoga have weaved in to support and expand me as an individual and also my students. And so Luminous Self has a lot of practices and a lot of rituals and really I feel like is a way for us to kind of embrace our life as a ritual and embrace Mm -hmm. our life as sacred and embrace Mm our life as, as what does it mean for yoga to weave through our entire life and not just be a practice that mm. we do, but a, what a way that we are and a way that we show up in the world. Even just hearing you say that speaks to me in a way like, like I'm a little choked up, right? Like, yes, I want that. And yes, I have that. And yes, I forget that. And yes, I need to come back to that, right? All of the things in the way in which you just sort of gave a tiny bit of insight about the luminous self. It's just really brings me to a place of yearning for more, but also like, what about what's here right now? Let's not forget that too. I can't wait to see it. So last question. And I ask this pretty much on every podcast at the end, and it has to do with personal practice because we, in our training programs at Inner Peace Yoga Therapy, put a very strong emphasis on that. Like you want to be a yoga therapist, you need to have a personal practice. You can't be that transmission. You can't hold that space uh, for others if you don't have your own personal practice first. So what does your practice look like? What is your personal sadhana? And I'm sure it's evolved over time, but I'd love to hear just a little bit about that from you. Thank you. Yeah. So my personal sadhana is anchored first with my personal mantra um, and a practice that a visualization practice that I do. 
um, that's based in uh, Sri Vidya Tantra. I've also been studying uh, for the last nine weeks with one of my teachers, Swami Pramajoyti, and we've been doing a nine-week sadhana of Tatwashuddhi. And that's a practice that I learned about 20-something years ago that was a practice that it's interesting because different traditions teach things differently. I had been doing this one practice with the Himalayan masters, and now I'm learning a different version of the practice from Swami Pramajoyti, which has been amazing. And so that's been a nine-week sadhana, Yoga Nidra daily. And that can vary depending on my schedule. My yoga nidras are mostly self-guided and self-led. Mm-hmm. I have a few uh, people that I really love their yoga nidras. So I have a few of my favorites from Yoli Maya Ye or John Vossler that I keep in, in my little you know folder. And then walking in nature and chanting to the earth chanting to the ancestors of the land that I live on. I have a morning and an evening practice where I watch the sunrise and the sunset with chanting. And so my sadhana is really more of a weaving throughout the day Mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, I've got this one practice that I'm doing in the morning, this one practice that I'm doing at night. And there are altars everywhere in my home. So there really is, I would say, overall, it's like attending to myself mm-hmm. and attending mm-hmm. to my spiritual life that happens all throughout the day. Yeah, attending to. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Tracy. What a gift. And I hope to um, reconnect with you at some point. I can't wait for your new book to come out. And it's just been a joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Michelle. I really appreciate you. If you'd like to learn more about who we are and what we do, visit us at innerpeaceyogatherapy.com.